When I was young, uh, I remember terrified to get up front of a group of people, no matter how small it is, to give a speech or to talk about just anything. So it took uh, my foster mom, Roberta, to keep encouraging me to do it, uh, to teach a class or kid, teach kids class. And I always say, no, I can't do that. Uh, I don't want to get up there. And it's terrifying and all of this. Uh, but she was persistent at it. Uh, and she encouraged me to uh, teach Bible class to the small kids. Uh, they were like about five years old, and I was maybe 15, and I was still afraid of doing it. But the first time I went up to do it, I remember I was very nervous. I was sweating, and my voice wasn't clear. Uh, but I, I got it done, even though I was terrified. Uh, and then she kept pushing me to do it again. And then before long, I was in front of a whole congregation preaching when they needed someone to teach Bible class and to preach. But you know, I, I did not always wanted to do that. But by someone encouraging me and pushing me to do it, I was able to do it. And today I can be uh, in front of you and talk to you and teach the teens class where I'm not nervous like I used to be. And if you ever in a position to maybe speak in front of people, it's not something that's easy to do. But after you do it for so long, you get better at it. And that's why it's so important to encourage uh, your kids, your little ones, to get involved and last two leaders. And you know, in Haiti, we didn't have a, a program like that. So I was 15 before I got that opportunity to do something like it. But we are in a better position where we have Latsu Leader as a program that give that opportunity where we can encourage our kids at, at a younger age to get involved and to doing something. And by the time they get 15, like I was, they should be able to do it a lot better than I did when I was 15. And you got this at your fingertips. It, it's available for you to do. Who will fill your shoe? Today we have elders, we have deacons, we have preachers, we have Bible class teachers, but you will not be here forever. At some point, Someone younger than you will take over. But if we never get them trained, uh, uh, get, encourage them to start at, at a young age, they may never get there. So again, you have lots of leaders to encourage us to get involved, to give them that opportunity. And again, lots of leaders is a program that have a great rate of return. And it, there is a research that proved if someone just attend church only, after they graduate college, only maybe about 38% stay faithful to God. We'll go to church and uh, stay faithful until they're not living in their parents' household. And then when you go to those who go to church but 
who get involved in some other program, who participate to some point, to where it becomes their own, then about 54% of them will stay faithful after college. But those who are involved in last to leader, who able to do many other things to get involved, who at some point call it their own, then 85% of them remain faithful after they finish college, after they're out there on their own. Wouldn't you want your kids to be part of a program that can give a great rate of return? Wouldn't you want your children to be faithful to God even after they leave your household? If you would like that, but the moment to start to make sure they get that, it's at a young age when you can encourage them to participate and something like this, and to call it their own, where it's not you forcing them to do it when they get older. Last Sunday, it's a program that have about 38 events. So there is many events. There's two categories. There's a convention events, and there's year-round events where they can be part of. And so there's so many areas they can get involved. There are Bible uh, events, there are service events, there are leadership events, and curriculum, like classes where there's book, different programs that you can teach classes with. So there's no excuses not to do it because there are so many things they can get involved in, in doing that. So in Bible events, we have reading the word and know the books of the Bible, year-round Bible reading. We just have called read the Bible for us this morning, and he was able to do that, and we appreciate his work. And we're going to have some of the others do the same thing in a little bit. But read scripture and centuries of scripture, like know the Bible verses. And when they know it, then they can apply it in their life. When they are tempted, when things hit them, they know the scripture and they know how to use it in their life. And there is Bible ball where they can uh, be part of that in the Bible event. And there are service event, uh, learning a second language, so they're able to share the gospel with other people. Good Samaritan, which is service project, help someone who needs help. There's bulletin board, there's PowerPoint, and again, they work on that, like uh, Justin and Cole was able to work on several videos we're able to watch. So they're already doing it, but we need to help more of our kids to get involved in that. There's puppets that they can be part of. And there's leadership events like speech, song leading, song of praise, teach to teach, keepers, and providers. So there's a ton of things that they can do. So again, there is no excuses for them not to be part of that. And age they can participate, a K to five grade can be part of the junior leaders. And then there's gift, which is for girls. There's God, which is for boys. And there's a field of books of leaders to know how to do things. There's head to office to encourage them to know how to be elders and deacons later on. And so many things that we as adults are doing already in the Lord's church. For a building to last, it needs a good foundation. And for our kids to be able to succeed, 
and to be able to stay faithful after they graduate college, after they're on their own, they need a good foundation now. If, there's, if they don't have a good foundation, then it will be hard for them to do those things later on. We are creatures of habits. Habits is things that characterize us, that define the person we are. Our thoughts shape our behavior, attitude, and action, and gradually determine our habit. And if we teach our children and impart, impart upon them the godly values that we have, then those good habits will form and will give birth to godly characters and them. And it is our responsibilities, parents of today, to ensure that this happens in our children. Proverbs 22, 6, it says, start, uh, start children off on the way they should go, and even when they get older, they will not turn from it. If you teach them how they should go, how they should live, when they get older, they will not leave it. And that doesn't mean they won't do anything wrong or they might not choose to leave. Even if they choose to leave, they still know it. It's the matter of applying it in their life. And Deuteronomy 6, uh, 4 to 9, there it's talking about how uh, we need to make sure that our kids know the word. Uh, and God there is required some intensity in training our kids. Uh, and, and it is an intensity that is relentless, something you have to do all the time. It's a repetition. It's not something you do one time and then let it go, but it's a repetition where you have to do it over and over again. So in Deuteronomy 6, 7 to 8, are this recorded, it says we must, must teach them the value of righteousness repeatedly at home, on the road, before they sleep, and when they wake up. So that means all the time we have to do that, those teachings. And those teachings, they are in our fingertips. They should be in our head, and they should be around our house, and, and they should be everywhere so they know what we stand for. So there, God is trying to teach us the priority of teaching our children. And not only to know God, to know what he wants us to do, to know his commandment, but to make sure that our kids know God, and to make sure they know how to live and uh, how to obey God. And this is our responsibility as parents to do that, to make sure uh, we meditate on the word of God, to make sure we reflect on them, and to make sure we are a good example for them. Because we cannot give our children what we do not possess. If we do not possess it, how can we give it to them? We cannot pass something along that we do not have. If we do not have it, we cannot pass it along. But if we have it, we possess it, we practice it, then they can learn by our example, and then they can do the same thing. So it's important there how God is saying for us to, to do that. So they can learn it in our lifestyle and what we do every day and how we live our life. And no one else 
can do it for us. Yes, I am your youth minister for your kids, for your teens. And yes, it's important for me to share the word with them and teach them the word of God. But you cannot just rely on me to do it. And you cannot just rely on the, their school to do it. You have to be part of that as parents to make sure they're learning it at home. They're following your example. So they learn from your lifestyle. So our children, they are watching us and they are modeling our attitude and our behavior. And they are parroting back our attitude about Christ and his church. We cannot train up children to love the Lord with all their hearts if we do not love God first. If we love God first, then they will learn from us to do the same thing. Moses is there talking to the Israelites to show them how important it is to do that and how they are to teach it to them and every single moment in their life, to seize the moment to do it. And that's why he said, when you walk, by the way, when, you, when they go, before they go to sleep, when they wake up, so seize the opportunity when you have it to, to do it. Don't let it escape. That means capitalize the opportunity you have to teach your children. You are a poor model for your children if they only, if the only thing they hear about God and the church is when you are busy verbally running down people in it. Let me repeat that again. When I say you, that's include myself too. Maybe I should change it to say we are a poor model for our children if the only thing they hear from us about God or the church is when we are busy verbally running down people in it. Why someone is this or why someone is not good or why someone is, is terrible or if, the, if that's the only thing they hear, then we are a bad example for them. They need to hear the positive things. I'm not saying there's not negative things, but they need to hear the positive things so they can follow our example, so they can capitalize on, on those things. Because our life is an open book, and they should be able to read it. Whether you believe it or not, they're reading your book. They're following our example. And they're living it out. And that's how they're going to live later on, by the example you set for them. Again, in verse 8, Moses is talking there about writing the word and their doorposts on their forehead and all of that. But the Jewish rabbis, they took that literally. You know what they did? They went and put some boxes of clothes and they write the scripture on patches and wear it everywhere they go. So I'm not telling us to go and do that and write it on your clothes today. But what really Moses or God meant for the parents to do 
is to be able to talk about the word of God to their children, no matter what they do, every day, every hour, every second, to live a lifestyle, to do it all the time. I was talking to Krista in the office this past week uh, about how we, as parents, have to continue to do that. And she made a great comment, which I think is very uh, important, where the Bible talks about pray without ceasing. Have you ever think about that? Do you walk around and pray and your eyes closed and pray all the time? But the Bible says pray without ceasing. What did it really mean by that? I think it meant that we're constantly thinking about God. You don't have to close your eyes and be praying all the time, but that means like stay in connection with God all the time. Think about Him. Be positive and all of that. Even though you're not praying necessarily all the time with your eyes closed, but you're constantly in communication with God. And I believe it's the same thing with our children, to be resilient and consistent all the time, be the example we show to them, and capitalize on the opportunities we have to share it. When we're in the cars, when we are in the football games, when we are watching a football game at the TV, use it in a way that you can be an example to them, that you can teach them valuable lessons. And then, last to lead, there will be another step that you encourage them to be part of that will teach them to do greater things later on. But it all starts at our home because that's where the foundation should be. And then, last to lead, there can be the tool that led us closer to that goal. Good morning. I have to always start anything I talk with humor. It's more for me than you, (laughs) just to get myself. So I think most of you know me, but just to be sure, my name is Jim Hayes. I'm a deacon here at Northside. To answer the first question, if you see the spelling, I am related to the cabinet company. Not close enough to gain anything financially, though. The second question is, the answer Most people do say Haas, and that's what you've heard for the cabinet company, I'm sure. But the story I was told by my my dad was that it had always been Hayes until the cabinet company expanded to Chicago. When that happened, nobody could find them in the phone book. All right, would you stop a minute here? I feel like when you're talking up here, at some point you have to put your hand over the youth. So I'm going to take a minute here to pause and let the kids know that back in the old days, you would receive a phone book every year. This was a very large, thick book that had all the phone numbers of everyone local who had a phone in their home. And this was put in a section called the white pages. But the back half of the book was called the yellow pages. And that's where you'd find phone numbers for all the businesses in the area. These sections were aptly named because the first half of the book was printed on white paper and the second half on yellow paper. It killed a lot of trees, but it worked well. Anyways, nobody could find the cabinet company in the phone book because they were searching for Hayes, H-A-Y-E-S, so the cabinet company switched to Haas Cabinet, just kind of took over. And because of that, 
I accept both ways of pronouncing my name, and I say it both ways, depending on when you ask me, and I will never be offended. <laughs> okay. So now on to the subject at hand. Adult involvement in lads to leaders. I want to start, and my main point of my talk is just going to be my personal involvement in lads to leaders. Admittedly, I was more involved when my kids were young, but I still try to stay involved, and I think that's important. For quite some time, I've overseen the Art Says It group. And I'll confess that I haven't often given it the attention it deserves, mainly because it, it's usually there are other events going on, and it's just hard to find the, the time to split between them. But it's never stopped the children at our church from submitting some beautiful artwork. Not all of the events involved are, are time-consuming, and Art Says It is one of those where the kids can work at their own pace as long as they make the deadline. Now, the big one, the Puppets Program, has been where I'm most involved. When Emily first did Puppets, I didn't help with anything. But in the following years, I began to help, uh, began to help by just corralling the kids, and keeping them focused during the practices. And then this led to me kind of helping direct and then making props and then helping set up the props, props at the convention during the competition. And eventually now I've been writing the scripts for the puppets. I think I've been involved in the puppets now for over 10 years. And I don't mean to brag, but Puppets has been an area where our kids at Northside have really excelled. I think that almost every year since I've been here, our Puppet teams have either won or placed in the top three. And that was a lie. I did want to brag. So, my job up here is to talk about adult involvement in parents. So I consider... The first benefit is to me that you get to connect with the kids, the kids at church. It's a level, you can connect at a level that you may not ever get, even if you're a teacher. Now, some kids I know fairly well because they're friends with my kids, but there's others where I just don't interact with them that much. Without puppets, I would have never known what a great actress. I know a lot of these kids aren't here now, but what a great actress Bella Wheeler is. I've never learned that quiet Evan Stimler is quite the comedian. And without puppets, I never would have known that Madeline Marshall could sound like both an old man and a trucker. Another great part has been establishing meaningful connections with other adults at our church for the same reasons. I've been able to hang out with some uh, great folks like Sharon Kish, Linda Wheeler, Suzanne Roberts, uh, Vicki Stemler, Steve Marshall. We've shared a lot of laughing and frustration together. It's not easy. Sometimes working with the kids and getting them to stay focused. And we really, I think, connected like a team, which is important for some of us like me who never really participated in sports. It feels good to be part of a team. 
and I'm continually lifted up by their confidence in me and my crazy ideas. But now I think one of the best benefits has been the connection that's grown between me and my own kids. During us puppets, especially, we spend a lot of time together practicing. They say that one of the reasons families are falling apart today is losing the simple things like eating a meal together without technology to interfere. Well, during puppet season, I can promise you, you're eating lunch at church for months at a time (laughs) on Sunday mornings. Also, as I've uh, worked on projects together, I've been able to see them grow as Christians. Uh, There's a great pride in seeing your kids do the Lord's work, whether it's a competition or not. Lads as Leaders has taught my son to do scripture reading. It's taught my daughter to lead singing. It's taught both of them to think spiritually over artwork. And lastly, I get to watch them learn to not be afraid to speak publicly because of their work in puppets a lot and all the other activities where they are kind of forced to be in front of a crowd. My next benefit is how much uh, involving in Lads to Leaders has helped me grow as a Christian. Being a creative person, it sometimes can feel like it's difficult to use your talents in church in the service of God. In my experience growing up, using talents like art or acting weren't something that... churches typically took advantage of in the past. But I can promise you, if you haven't found a way to use your talents God gave you, you will find a place to use them in Lads to Leaders. Woodler showed you all of the events. So, I can't get up front and speak without reading some scripture. Uh, I want to start ahead of time and tell you that when you're the second speaker, You always have to be careful with what scriptures you choose uh, so that you don't pick the one that's already been said. So, good luck, Brent. (laughs) Besides all the things I got out of it, there's simply a fact that we're commanded to be involved with the kids at our church, not just our own kids. If you'd like to turn to Titus chapter 2, I want to read a few verses from that passage. So I'm going to kind of take the passage and split it to uh, have one group on men and one on women. So here we see in Titus 2, verses 2 and 6 to 8. Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, and sound in faith and love and endurance. Similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled. In everything, set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned, so that those who oppose you may be ashamed that they have nothing bad to say about us. For the adult men, we can see from verses 6 and 7 that we're told to set an example. When we involve ourselves in things like this, it's with leading and uh, committing ourselves. We're teaching the values of integrity. 
We can show this all through our commitment to the kids. Now I'm going to go and read verses 3 through 5. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, and to be subject to their husbands so that no one will line the word. For the adult woman, we can see that you're told, also told to set an example. You're coordinating, you're teaching what is good, and showing the value of loving kids. So I'll be honest, there are some downsides. Some of the activities take a lot of time. Uh, you've heard me tell about all the lunches for puppets. Um, and I think that most often, most of the groups meet after church on Sunday because it's just so convenient. And it took a lot of time on that. But I'm not sure about you, but for me personally, after I thought about it, that's usually a time where I don't do anything productive. Even if it's eating into my free time, though, I think I must control my sinful nature and remind myself that nothing is more valuable than being saved. Lastly, I wanted to say it's worth it. It's worth it to participate. I want to encourage every adult to get involved in some manner, whether there's a leader, a helper, even if you just show up to be present. No matter what your talents are, there's a place for them. This goes doubly if you're a parent. The world is an awful place full of sin, but this is an opportunity for us to train our children. Uh, Woodlard read us the statistics, so I won't repeat them, but as you can see, your child is more than twice as likely to stay faithful as an adult. For me personally, I've always felt that that was my number one job as a parent. It's more important than sports. It's more important than good grades. It's more important than a good job. It's more important than friends. In fact, there's nothing more important. Thank you. Okay, so Jim already got that passage. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll kind of move along from that. Actually, we won't because it's scripture, so it's good. Um, but I really want to really share this thought with you. You know, as, as, Timothy, or as Paul writes these words to Titus and similar words to Timothy, uh, Paul is near the end of his life, and he's sending these messages uh, to these younger men, his protégés, um, men that he had mentored, men that he had worked with, and he's providing these instructions. In fact, um, uh, Titus and First Timothy were probably written um, during the time recorded in Acts chapter 28 when Paul was imprisoned in Rome. Second Timothy was probably written a little later uh, when Paul was back in prison in Rome shortly before he was executed. And um, you can see from these letters that relationship that Paul had with these men. In 1 Timothy 1-2, he addresses Timothy as my true son in the faith. In 2 Timothy 2-1, he calls him my dear son. Titus chapter 1, verse 4, Titus is referred to as my true son. And these letters, these letters sent to his sons, instruct them on how to conduct their ministry. And you could extrapolate this and say, this is how we should construct our ministry, or conduct our ministries as well. Uh, Peter 
calls us the royal priesthood. It wasn't just for Timothy and Titus to do these things. It wasn't just for Paul to do these things. And as, as Jim shared with us, as Eli just, just shared with us, in Titus, he talks about teaching what is appropriate to sound doctrine. And he talks about that teaching of older men, of older women, younger women by extension to the older women, younger, uh, younger men, and even slaves. And the, the critical linchpin voice, verse in this that I'd like to focus on is verse 7 of Titus chapter 2. In everything, in everything, set them an example. In everything, set them an example. He talks about how to do it. It's the same message he gives Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, uh, verse 12. And then that message, or that, that example is followed up in the second letter to Timothy. And again, uh, reflect on this, is just before Paul's death. This is kind of Paul's final instructions. And look at what Paul says there in 2 Timothy chapter 3, and verse 10. Paul says this to Timothy, You, however... Know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecution, sufferings. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured? Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you... Continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. You think about that. Think about that. How did Timothy know these things? How did Titus know these things. They were taught. They had examples. They had Paul to look to. They had others to look to. Timothy had his mother, his grandmother, uh, to look to. These were the things that prepared them to go out and be those apostolic representatives, to lead churches, to guide people to Christ, to set the foundation for what we, we are today. There's a generational pass-through you see in this. You see it in the case of Timothy from his grandmother to his mother to himself. From Paul to Timothy and Titus. The preceding generation teaches, sets the example for the following generation. That's our charge. That's what we're here today. Not even talking specifically about lads to leaders, but it's applicable to that. And that is, are we... Are we, as a congregation, engaged in that generational pass-through? Are those of us who are older sharing with the younger? Are we being the examples? Are we providing the teachers? Are we engaged? There's a term that's somewhat in vogue called the intergenerational church, where we have connection, the youngest to the oldest. And that's the pattern God intends for us. It's a pattern that Paul lays down in his epistles. That's the challenge that we have. But we can only do this. We can only engage the subsequent generations if we can do like Paul says and call them my true sons, my dear sons, my true daughters, my dear daughters. Are we connected to this? Confession? I haven't been. 
I'll readily confess that. I was good with my daughter's friends and all that, but uh, anybody that knows me will say, yeah, Brent's not a kid person. Sorry, you guys know that probably already. That's my challenge. And so I'm going to look at myself and say, first of all, do we connect in the way that we should? Do we? That's kind of a past question in a way, though. Because the more important questions are, can we? That answer is yes. That answer is yes. We can. So the most important is, will we? Will we? And so I'm calling, I'm calling you today as an elder of the church, as an older guy in the church now, to say, it's time, church. It's time. It's time to, will we, to say, yes, we will. We're going to look at the young people in this building and say, we are to treat them and to interact with them and engage with them just like Paul engaged Timothy and Titus. We're going to support them. We're going to teach them. We're going to lead them. We're going to be examples to them. And that's the commitment that I'm calling on each one of you to make. The form of that may look different for each one of us, but it's something. there is something there for each one of us. That can we, there is a yes there. Figure it out. Do it. That's your charge. I ask you to make that commitment. I ask you to support not just this program, but to support the people in this congregation, particularly the youth. So as we move forward for the Lord here, we do it as an entire congregation, not just as groups or subsets of the congregation, but as an entire united family. Think about that commitment. Ponder it. Engage with it. Commit to it.